You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 316. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. Today, we're going to be addressing a couple different topics, some which we cover often and others will be fairly new. We're going to start off by chatting about how to approach weight loss and mindset when you have a lot of weight to lose. We're also going to be talking about restriction fatigue with food, specifically when it comes to trying to manage gut and IBS. This is kind of a follow-up from our previous episode topics. Um, and holistic GERD treatment and glutamine supplementation, and then finally creating friendships as you get older. Uh, Before we dive in, supplements are a great way to boost nutrients when your body is deficient. We talk about that a lot here. And it's also great for helping your body heal when you've experienced chronic illness or inflammation. Leaky Gut Guardian is a new supplement powder from Bioptimizers that contains uh, powerful probiotics and prebiotics, both in, in one powder. And it also includes a patented one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is an egg-based protein that enhances gut health and reverses damage caused by antibiotics. And it even can help with immunity. So by taking it daily, you'll help to kind of be eliminating some of that bad bacteria. You'll be feeding the good bacteria. It also helps to repair your gut lining and build up your immunity all at the same time. So it's great for people who are experiencing leaky gut or have um, and want to further repair their gut with key nutrients. So it's Leaky Gut Guardian. It comes in two flavors. There's a vegetarian vanilla and then chocolate carnivore. Uh, the chocolate carnivore is an enhanced formula. It includes collagen and bone broth for those additional gut healing benefits. Um, it's a powder, so you just add it to your smoothie or a water or coffee. So it's sort of like the new Bulletproof coffee, except it's nutrient-dense and it helps to heal your gut. So you can try it out, see how it works for you. LeakyGutGuardian.com slash wellfed. Again, that's LeakyGutGuardian.com forward slash well-fed. Bioptimizers is all backed by research. It's expertly formulated. And if it doesn't work for you, they have a really generous 365-day money-back guarantee. LeakyGutGuardian.com slash well-fed. And then our coupon code is um, wellfed10 for 10% off any of your order, anything you order. So, hi, Steph. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's it's great to be here. Um, <laughs> so, what's new with you? Anything? <laughs> we didn't really, we haven't really caught up in a while. Um, well, uh, last week, now, of course, these things always change and are susceptible to change based on the state of the world. But the mm-hmm. British government revealed their plan for us coming out of lockdown. And it is uh, a lot more. Uh, it is more optimistic than I expected. And that's kind of interesting. I'm cautiously optimistic. And the spring is literally coming figuratively, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I am viewing all things with caution. Um, <laughs> but uh, spring is, is literally coming. And it's just it's I, it's lovely. It uh, is spring, lovely. It, spring here is lovely. And I just really enjoy that feeling of sort of like ease. Winter's a beautiful season, but it like is, is demanding in a way. You have to exert effort to be comfortable, especially when you're outdoors. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, I've been like working outside and in, in university gardens and um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's okay. It's pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the weather shift. I'm actually wearing a tank top. Now I'm wearing a lightweight, mm. you know, whatever thing over top of it, but it's just nice. I I did my little workout this morning with my little workout with um 
the garage door opened, which is cool because we went through like, I mean, majority of the U.S. went through some crazy ice stuff um, a while back, obviously. Um, Texas had a lot of challenges and lots of people were underwater, unfortunately. So, um, and during that time, we, we also had some pretty weird, weird ice storms where we accumulated like inches and inches of ice. So ice was falling from the sky and it looked like snow because it was so, it was accumulating so much. And so it took a while for that to like just defrost (laughs) um so it's nice i hate talking about the weather because i feel like it's like so let's talk about the weather but um man it's it's was it was a weird weird winter very heavy for well for those of us in the u.s like we had a lot of ice a lot of snow so i think everybody's ready to just get outside and get some sun i just love the stress relief that sun brings (laughs) Like, I don't know. Do you just, like, go outside and sit and you're like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get back to that again um, soon. It's it's coming. Uh, quick. So, and I told Steph I was going to do this because the end of our last episode. And also, I've just been, like, reading questions. And I, I've been seeing this a lot. So I want to have an empowerment chat quickly. If you are struggling with... A health issue something's not right and your intuition is saying hmm this is odd and you bring it up to your doctor and your doctor brushes it off or is not helpful or is dismissive of your concerns you can get a second opinion you can move on and find a new doctor A doctor is a person with an opinion. It is not the final say in your health. So there are many doctors out there. I I try to interview a lot of good ones because there's a lot of incredible doctors. Um, And there's many different types of doctors. And a doctor that is willing to help and get on your side and like dig deep and like trust you is out there. You just have to keep looking. Now, I'm not even just talking about doctors. I'm talking about all of the medical professionals. If you go to a physical therapist who doesn't really help you or doesn't it doesn't seem like you guys are jiving or they've made a lot of recommendations but you're still in pain, you can go to another physical therapist. If you go to a chiropractor and it's not not a good fit and you're not really liking it and, or something's not right, Go to a new chiropractor. You can you can take your business elsewhere, um, and take your your health elsewhere. So I've been just been seeing a lot of this. Like my doctor won't, or like I've been brushed off, and I, and I hate that for all of us in this community. I've been seeing it also in our Facebook group. Um, and so I just want you to know that you can trust your intuition, and if something isn't right or you aren't getting the help that you need, you can get a second opinion and find a new doctor. Like it's not that's not the end all be all. And it's hard when it is your primary care doctor and they don't want to get on board with you. But, man, I can tell you there are a lot of other primary care doctors. It does take a little work. It takes some extra steps. But in the end, it has never been anything that I have regretted. I have never regretted leaving and going and finding somebody else, even if that next person wasn't the best fit. And I had to go to a third or a fourth, which has happened, you know, with physical therapists or whatever. I have never regretted it, and I've, you know, always been able to find good health, um, good health care by being persistent. So, I don't know, do you, and I have this question for you, Steph, have you ever had to, like, ask somebody, and I know, I see you're off mute, um, have you ever had to ask your, like, or try to get a second opinion or go to a different doctor or, um get help from somebody else because like an an initial medical provider wouldn't help you i have mm, i have never needed the services of a doctor to the extent that i had to do that so doctors do procedures they uh prescribe things i was very fortunate to have a doctor uh, when i was younger when I lived in the States, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, quite interested in my theories and was really into trying things outside of, you know, mainstream pharmaceutical solutions. 
And so uh, we did work together. But for all the various health issues that I've had, I've been privileged enough uh, to have the kind of issues that I could be like, okay, I'm going to work on it on my own. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And then even when I uh, was dealing with when I was looking to my nose stuff, like I, I did see a doctor here in the UK who was like, first I just saw like a, a ENT or something just sat down in the office and chatted and they were like, okay, well try these nasal sprays. And if that doesn't work, you know, you know, whatever stereotypical stuff. And I was like, okay. So actually then I did, I went and I found another doctor um, who was interested in talking about potential surgical solutions. Um, and then I did end up finding another person to do my surgery for reasons, many reasons. Um, so I guess I did do a little bit of bouncing around there, but um, I have always sought out, like I've always just been like, well, I'm going to find my own. <laughs> me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for better or for worse, but like I said, that's an enormous privilege because there's a lot of health issues where you you need doctors, you know, mm-hmm. and um, haven't, haven't quite been in, in one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're even dealing with it currently because my husband has certain medical, well, I mean, he has Hashimoto's, but um, because he's asymptomatic, traditional conventional doctors within a specific system do not want to uh, do anything about it. Some of them have even recommended, well, why are you even on medication? And like, I mean, we've just been like fighting to like just experiment with um different medication (laughs) like you know like fighting just for basic to get basic you know extended thyroid panels so we've worked with dr becky who i've interviewed a couple times on here um but we've always kind of worked with like an on-site or like a local um primary care physician however that had to switch recently because my husband um, got back into the military and now it's like a completely different system. Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody wants to help because he's not having any symptoms. And, um, even those lab tests are off, like just keep just up your dosage and it's fine as opposed to like, well, let's try a different medication or let's try compounding it or let's pull some of these tests to find an underlying root cause. Trying to, trying to get anybody to like pull hormone testing or, you know, do any sort of like, let's look at cortisol. Like, oh, no, no, no. Adrenal fatigue's not real. Um, you don't need to worry about that. It's just like they like just nothing, no, nothing. So a lot of stuff is, you know, we're still dealing with it. And we're unfortunately having to kind of pay out of pocket and also like try a new doctor. <laughs> like, I think we're on our third one now, hopefully hoping that he'll he will run some tests and be willing to do some stuff um, for him and for us. It's just crazy. So. I feel the pain. I I know what you guys, I know what a lot of us, a lot of people, most Americans have to deal with who um, have chronic health issues and want to be able to manage them, but but can't find somebody to be on their side. But it is worth it. It's definitely worth it. And this is why, you know, I try to have on a lot of good um, guests and doctors and stuff like that so that you guys can hear advice coming from experts in their field, well-studied medical experts um saying like clear things that you can um like information that you can use and and take and and hopefully take to your doctor and find a doctor that's willing to work with you if you have a hunch about something or you know like follow your intuition it's you're you're not if you're wrong fine but if if not then i mean that can change your life so so we talk a lot about hydration here, specifically how electrolytes are an important aspect of hydration that so many people overlook. Water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes. The problem is you lose electrolytes through sweat and when you go to the bathroom and they have to be replaced through diet and supplementation and that need increases significantly if you're exercising regularly and sweating or if you're following a whole foods diet since it's naturally low in sodium. 
When training, especially fasted in the morning, electrolytes are critical for performance. Many athletes feel dehydrated and drink more water. However, this can dilute blood sodium levels even further. This shows up as muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, sleep disturbances, and electrolytes play a key role in hormone regulation too. Low sodium levels actually spike adrenal hormones like cortisol. Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You just take an Element recharge packet, mix it up with water, and sip. There is absolutely no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. I've been using an entire packet after any sort of exercise where I sweat, and it has made such a difference. I no longer feel so thirsty and empty throughout the day despite drinking tons of water and eating sufficiently. Element's co-founder is actually Rob Wolf, who we interviewed on episode number 311, so you know the ingredients are solid and that it's been well-researched and developed. To grab a free sample pack of Element, go to Drink LMNT. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed. All you have to do is pay for shipping, and you'll get like, I think it's eight packets to test out. So you really have nothing to lose with that. Drink lmnt.com forward slash well-fed. Click on get yours when the website pops up and then claim your free packets. Okay. Um, anything you want to discuss before we jump into questions? Nope. Okay. Question number one is from Mandy. She says, how do you have a healthy approach to weight loss when you have a lot of weight to lose? She says 75 plus pounds. I think, I don't think I would give different advice Mm. uh, depending on your body size or what your goals are necessarily. I think losing weight, um, especially if you think that you have a significant amount of weight to lose, um, like that can, that can be like a significant part of your life, right? And uh, something that uh, you can be motivated into for a a lot of different reasons. And um, health is up there. But what I, it's up there in the sense that like, whenever we make a change in the way that we eat, I think our health is the thing, (laughs) the thing to think about, like changes in your body size, if that feels good for you and is motivating, great. I think a lot of people, one thing uh, that uh, it can actually be kind of triggering in, in the wrong direction to pay attention to your body size while you're trying to lose weight. Um, if you notice that you're gaining, you could become discouraged. If you notice that you're losing, you could sort of like, you could self-sabotage in any number of ways, one of which just being that we're all kind of resistant to change and it's completely unintentional and doesn't necessarily say anything about who we are, but we end up um, reverting or or going back to old ways simply because it's familiar. Um, And so I find that thinking about my health is like the healthiest um, way for me uh, to Uh, orient my eating and if your health is your priority and if you are eating nutrient-dense foods if you're hitting uh, if you're making sure that you're getting all your macronutrients if you're healing any underlying health problems that you have uh, in a large majority of cases um, your your body will you will burn fat right? You will, you will lose weight. And so, um, I think really holding health up there is, uh, is really important. Um, you know, when you say something like you have a lot of weight to lose, right. That sort of makes me think of like it, it must be lost. Um, it, it could stand to be lost. Um, I think, you know, and I'm not saying that you meant either of these things. Um, but body fat in and of itself, um, you can be healthy if you don't lose it. You can definitely eat healthfully. You can exhibit healthy biomarkers. Definitely there are correlations between 
higher body sizes and certain inflammatory markers or um, lower metabolic health. Like there are some correlations, but that doesn't mean it's impossible to be healthy um, at bigger sizes. And so um, I would encourage you to, um, I would encourage anybody to uh, prioritize health. And then um, when you're thinking about your body size to not put an inordinate amount of pressure on it, right? Um, you know, and I also think, you know, another reason is uh, the, you know, the comfort of movement and the amount of uh, stress that you're putting on your joints. Um, like, th that's, these are good, re you know, there are plenty of reasons to want to lose weight. Um, and so paying attention to these things and trying to take care of them is very important. Uh, but also putting a lot of stress on yourself, I think, um, and constantly nitpicking, uh, calories, constantly nitpicking the scale. Um, I would not do that personally. I'm a little bit more of a generalist and a big picture gal. Like, you know, let's just keep our eyes forward and not get mired down in the details. I think um, staying oriented towards uh, positive physical and emotional health and continuing to walk in that direction, even if you're skeptical of it happening, even if you're you know, worried about your ability to do it for any number of reasons, um, you always have you always have choices and there are more, right? They're always in the future and you always have choices. And so um, health is choosing to eat healthfully is entirely like within your power, choosing to um, find foods that feel good for you and help you feel and experience health. Like those are all things that you can do and they don't necessarily happen overnight. But uh, that choice, you know, to, to keep doing that is entirely uh, within your control. And so I would focus on um, that. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anything that needs to you need you need to do differently. I I do feel like the question, and this is could be a totally wrong assumption, so I apologize. But I hear a little bit of desperation and like when you have to, and I think you picked up on that stuff, which is like this is an absolute. I have to lose this amount of weight, and I'm sure that you've been told that by a variety of people, things, your doctor, um, social media wellness influencers, personal trainers, whatever. Here, you need to lose this amount of weight. And I would caution against that just because it gets you focused on a number. And I, again, we don't want to invalidate any of your reasons for, for wanting to lose weight. I, we're not anti-weight loss here. We don't want to shame people for wanting to um, change their body or whatever. So uh, I think that it it's important that if you're choosing to embark on this journey, that you do not focus on, I need to get, I, I'm done with this journey once I'm past that 75 pound weight loss mark, because you may never get there. And that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Um, you can actually pursue health. You can pursue changes that bring healthy physiological changes to your body that will make you feel a lot better, that will get you stronger, that will make you um, have more energy or whatever. And you may not lose, you know, that all of that 75 pounds that it is that you think you absolutely have to lose. So I think that's really, really important and key. And just keep your mind on um, other biomarkers of health not the scale, not the certain number of pounds. Because if you, if there's a lot of things that you're, you don't want to continue to live with. So maybe you have serious digestive issues, or maybe your inflammatory markers are high, or maybe you deal with fatigue, or you're struggling with really, you know, severe brain fog or something like that. Focus on what you can do. So movement and and shifts nutritionally with, you know, whole foods or whatever that are going to help resolve those things and that you can take note of, wow, I have more energy now or wow, like I, I took my cholesterol and or, or I, I ran some blood tests and my C-reactive protein's better or my cortisol looks better. My hormones are way more imbalanced. I, you know, my estrogen is down like 
or I don't have estrogen dominance anymore. So have these biomarkers, you know, take do some testing if you can. Um, have a list of things in which you want to improve so that you can track that over time and not get so caught up in the scale because weight is not weight is not equivalent to better health. Weight loss is not equivalent to better health. Um, There are a lot of things that you can do to lose weight that don't bring about health. And so when we get really focused on that number, it's usually we start doing really unsustainable things and we start to get really focused on trying to get down to that last number as opposed to taking a step back and reassessing and say, well, how do I feel? What are my biomarkers right now? what's, What's my blood work saying? How's my anxiety? Like, what's my, where's my mental health? So all, that's a whole picture that should be, that should lead your journey and um, which the journey is to improve your health and and hopefully feel better and have a better quality of life. So focus on that and not the, the weight loss. (laughs) That's what I'll say. Mm. Um, Okay. Question number two. Uh, this is from Dana. She says, I love the restriction fatigue episode. Any more thoughts on when it's more of a GI or an IBS thing? That is like restricting because of, because it caught, because certain foods cause gut issues. Yeah. This is what we mean. <sighs> so it can, uh, it can be unpleasant. It can be an unpleasant experience for some uh, to not be able to eat some foods uh, because you can't or because they're uncomfortable for you. Uh, unfortunately, there's not there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of way around that. Um, I love coffee. <laughs> I love coffee so much. I love coffee so much. And if I have even one cup, (laughs) just thinking today, like of all the controlled substances, coffee, um, I I have, I've like learned, you know, I can have like three quarters of a cup, half a cup. Some days I can have more than one, you know, it just, it ebbs and flows. Um, and, and I watch that, but the thing, like I would drink coffee all day, every day if I could. Okay. That's, this is my point. Um, and I can't, I, period, hard stop, can't, that will probably never change about me. Um, it's possible, it, but it, it probably won't. And that just, that just has, it just has to be the way it is. Um, I have sought out things that are replacements that are like decent. Um, I can't have decaf, but like, <laughs> uh, tea with milk is a decent replacement. Um, and so we can seek out replacements uh, and see if those satisfy us in a, you know, reasonably close way. Uh, and uh, we can work towards healing our bodies such that the foods that we can't eat now, maybe someday we could in the future. And those are kind of our options in terms of what we eat. And in terms of our mindset, we just uh, we just have to let it go and obsessing over the fact that you can't have it isn't going to serve you because if you have it you will feel really bad but there have to be things there have to be things that are satisfying to you that can be equally satisfying and the reason they're not is because you're kind of hung up on this one thing that you wish you could still have or set of things that you wish you could still have. Um, I think, I think the acceptance here is like pretty important. Like all things in life, like we bump into limitations all the time and we can rail against them, but if they're hard and fast limitations, okay, that's the way it is. And it's okay. Right. Like I said, you can still seek out replacements if, if you're, into that sort of thing. And you can still have some sort of hope for the future if you, if it seems reasonable that this food could be reintroduced. But aside from that, um, it just has to be okay. And there's so much out there that is exciting and wonderful. And that applies to life in general and it applies to food. Like there is so much diversity and you can do so much with so little. I don't know what the range of your restrictions are, but if, 
if you say you have to eat, like uh, some diets, some things that you have to do, wipe a lot of things off your plate. You know, if you're struggling with an autoimmune disease, perhaps, and you're um, cutting out a lot of different kinds of foods, or if you're on a low FODMAP approach, like you can cut out a lot of a lot of things. Like I did a low potassium diet for a while, and that cut out a lot of things that I had really liked. But in the realm of foods that you can eat, you you can do so much. You know, I walked past a seaweed cookbook the other day in like a, you know, like a health store. I'm not surprised, you know, like a Stacy Toth has a, um, and they have a, like a pork cookbook, right? Like mm-hmm. you can be so specific and you can do so much with so little um, in terms of what you cook at home or what you sample out in the world and different kinds of world cuisines. You know, if you can't eat bread, then you know, there are world cuisines where bread doesn't feature. If you can't eat dairy, there are world cuisines where dairy doesn't really feature. Um, and of course, there are, you know, other kinds of uh, restrictions that are more particular. But um, yeah, there's a lot out there to appreciate. And so I would direct my focus more towards enjoying what is available to me and working on my current health problems, um, you know, IBS and GI stuff like uh, those can be worked through. Um, and, uh, yeah, taking everything a day at a time. And if this food that you are restricting, like gets to come back in the future, great, you know, but that's a, that's a thing for future you. And for now you can like enjoy what, what's there. Yeah. The only thing that I will add is if you're just like restricting, just because some you read on a website that this is going to solve the things i would highly recommend teaming up with somebody who can help you and and really be targeted in your approach with restriction so if you let's say have SIBO you test positive for it um or let's say let's say you you start out saying i have IBS and you read that there's a low FODMAP approach can help and you do that. And and now you feel like you've been doing it forever and you try to reintroduce foods and you can't really, now you can't really int- introduce those foods. It, it can get, a, it can draw, get, blah, it can draw out. You can kind of get really overwhelmed. There's a lot of choices to make. How do you know you're making the right choices? Um And it can be really lonely. And so I think that when we're talking about IBS or digestive issues and restricting foods specifically to treat or to heal, you know, underlying chronic issues, you have to you have to know what you're working with. And that's where the testing comes in. So doing some sort of gut test like a GI map test. Um, I think is really, really powerful and can really be helpful because it's going to put a target on the wall so that you're not just throwing darts and saying, oh, like I I restricted all these foods and it really helped my IBS, but now I can't eat anything again. That's not normal. That's not right. And that's not that's not your long term like sentence. <laughs> so if you're experiencing fatigue or you're experiencing this restriction fatigue or you're, you're just burnt out because you don't want to be restricting these foods and, you know, if you enter, it, it pull them back in your diet, you start to whatever, have di- gas or bloating, there, there's a reason and you can actually treat the root cause as opposed to just keeping the foods out. So keeping the foods out doesn't necessarily always actually do anything to treat the root cause of the issue and help you move past it. And so, you know, I I did an episode a little bit ago with with Jessica Flanagan about putting a target on the wall and how these really, really restrictive diets can actually, of course, help and and they serve a purpose and they're they're by no means um, irrelevant or not helpful. But it needs to be done in combination with proper testing. You need to be able to see what's going on in your gut. Why are these foods causing a problem? Because you can keep pulling more foods out and you'll lose lose tolerance to foods. Um, And so when you can treat and actually deal with the underlying root cause, so say it is a SIBO, maybe you have, you know, you take a breath test and it's a, a methane issue. You can deal with that specific overgrowth. You can deal with that specific bacterial issue in your gut, treat that infection, and then you'll be able to eat foods again sometimes, you know, someday. Um, 
And yeah, you may have to restrict a lot of foods while you're treating that issue, but there's an end to it. And I think that that's also really positive and helpful, too, is like, this is going to resolve and I'm going to get better. And so that keeps your hope alive, too. You're not alone. You ha- It's always better to do something like when you're teamed up with somebody. And it's nice to do something with somebody who knows what they're doing. Because <laughs> a lot of times restriction fatigue is just decision fatigue. So, um, Great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sarah, does L-glutamine help with healing the gut from gastritis slash GERD? If so, how and what is the correct dosage and timeline that results may be seen? Can I, um, sorry, I was just really close to the mic when I said that. I was like, hello. <laughs> um, so yes, I um, noticed. <laughs> um, I definitely want you to talk about the gut if if you want to, but I want to throw a little note in oh, footnote first throw the note in yeah so um l-glutamine is an amino acid which can quite um easily uh turn into glutamate in the brain and glutamate is the most common neurotransmitter in the body and so it is often said i've seen it tossed around on the internet a fair amount that um, increasing your glutamate levels can be uh, really great for your brain or for your mental health because it's the precursor to like a whole you know whole bunch of other stuff, other neurotransmitters. Um, the problem is that glutamate is actually an excitatory neurotransmitter, and while in GABA, which is a inhibitory neurotransmitter, uh, and that like elusive neurotransmitter, people like me are always like, oh, I need more GABA. Um, <laughs> So your body makes GABA out of glutamate, but it makes an inhibitory neurotransmitter out of an excitatory neurotransmitter. And so getting more glutamate into your brain doesn't necessarily translate to like an inhibitory thing. So I am just throwing this out there because glutamine is a really great amino acid that can help with a lot of things. And a lot of people very successfully supplement with it. Um, but I just, for anybody who's tried it, maybe didn't have a great experience, or maybe you have a predisposition to anxiety or insomnia, other, those are the upregulatory, upregulatory kind of things. Um, try low doses first, right? Yeah. Like it's at least worth trying, but like try low doses first because um, yeah, I've just, I've seen that happening on, on the internet, you know, these kinds of perceptions. And so I just mm-hmm. wanted to throw that slight like corrective to the internet discussion um, before everybody like goes and, you know, buys a bunch of glutamine <laughs> or whatever. So, and that's been my experience because I've spent my entire entire life trying to increase my GABA, you know, trying to make yeah. my brain calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, glutamate is just, uh, yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not so, not something that I have never taken glutamine, but I am almost surely, you know, not, <laughs> not, not for me, but it could very, very well be work well for other people, including those who experience anxiety. I just wanted to talk about yeah. the neurotransmitter. Okay. No, that's good. Um, so L-glutamine. Okay. So yeah. So it's the most abundant amino acid in um, your body. It can support the healing of the intestinal lining and reduce inflammation. It's a supplement that's often prescribed for people who are dealing with leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um, and there is research out there that shows that it can help with um, stomach ulcers. So most of these successful trials, which I'm glad you made the note, Steph, it's a lot. It's like 20 to 30 grams of glutamine per day. So it's important to take it on an empty stomach an hour before food or 30 uh, minutes an hour after food, 30 minutes before, so that your body can utilize it. There is one that I found um, by Vital Nutrients. It is a glutamine, um, like a powder, and two rounded teaspoons are t- is 10 grams. So you would essentially start with one, build up. You can do two to three like dosages a day. Of course, working with your doctor or trusted medical practitioner before you jump into that. Um, GERD can have many different causes. We talked about this on our last episode together. Um, so I just I can touch on it a little bit more here. There's a lot that you can do to reverse GERD and heartburn naturally with diet. So I'm not totally sure if you have 
thought about that and maybe you have maybe maybe you're you're on the mend which is awesome sarah um but this is just a quick note for anybody who may be experiencing it or has had it long you know long withstanding issue um a lot of times when somebody's dealing with this acid reflux and heartburn you know we use antacids or we use Somebody, you know, maybe will be prescribed a proton pump inhibitor, which is the most commonly used class of acid suppressing drugs um, to kind of stop the acid from from like causing any more irritation. Um, I think it's important to note that PPIs were only approved by the FDA for eight weeks of use. They were never intended to be prescribed for years or even decades as they're done today. And I think the most concerning thing is that when we're using proton pump inhibitors and anti-acids anti, anti antacids, um, regularly, we're creating more problems for our digestion long term and we're almost making the problem even worse. So a lot of people think that GERD is caused by too much stomach acid. The literature shows that that is not the case. The prevailing scientific theory is that it's actually caused by dysfunction of the muscular valve, so the sphincter. So at the end of your esophagus, you have a sphincter that lets food into your stomach and closes off so that nothing then is pushed back up. And the stomach, of course, is on the other side. So that sphincter between the esophagus and the stomach, the prevailing theory is that something going wrong there. Um, and that malfunction occurs because of an intra-abdominal pressure. So that pressure can be caused by bloating in the stomach from the small intestine up into the stomach, gas, and then that pushes the contents of the stomach, including acid, through the sphincter into the esophagus. So one of the main roots of that, ironically, Maybe too little stomach acid because stomach acid actually is used as the, the first way that our body, I think, you know, what does acid do? It breaks down food. And so when we don't have enough of it, when we don't have sufficient stomach acid and when we don't have sufficient enzymes and, you know, these juices, gastric juices that help to break down our food, food is left undigested, undigested, which then causes more issues further downstream, which then can cause other digestive issues like gas and bloating, small intestinal bacterial, bacterial overgrowth, just dysbiosis in general, which is bad bacteria kind of like over um, overruns and kind of runs amok in your gastrointestinal tract. Um, so, yeah, I think gut dysbiosis has a lot to do with it. Um, I think it's important to be tested for SIBO, to be tested for H. pylori, and just check out, you know, what other gut infections may be present or overgrowths may be present. Um Research has, has suggested that low-carbohydrate diets are an incredible way to naturally heal um, GERD and, and you know, heartburn. So you can eat a diet rich in whole foods, but then completely um, reduce or eliminate refined sugars, grains, particularly gluten, and then simple sugars, fructose, and, of course, alcohol. If you're, if you're dealing with stomach ulcers, heartburn, um, GERD, stop drinking. Um, so once you have recovered digestive function by eating a more whole foods diet, by eating lower carbohydrate, completely eliminating the refined sugars and the grains, you can bring back moderate carbohydrates to like an adequate um, level. And you can you can kind of pre prevent recurring symptoms with a couple of other things like supplements like the like the glutamine. But essentially, you're trying to reduce factors that promote, bacteri promote the bacterial overgrowth and would like feed the bad bacteria and make that bloating and that that pain um, worse. Also, nix artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohols that feeds your bad bacteria. Um, and then hold off on prebi prebiotics while you're healing. So that also means eating kind of low in fiber, which is hard when you're already, you know, you're following a whole foods diet, but it will help. And then what you can do is bring in enzymes. So the mass zymes by, by optimizers, 
I think is an awesome, great place to start. You take three with each meal. Again, you can just go to buyoptimizers.com and then use our code WELLFED10 for 10% off. Get the masszymes. Um, you can try bitters. You can try to take HCL, but again, I would only do that in concert or with, you know, in in conjunction with your, um, your like a, a trusted medical practitioner because you're essentially supplementing with stomach acid, which may be necessary. You may have low stomach acid, but you there's contraindications. You don't want to do that um, just on your own. Um, so that can actually help improve your digestion. It will help um, improve your stomach acid. And then you can supplement with the L-glutamine. Um, I will link to a pretty sufficient and well-researched article by Chris Kresser. He does. He had a whole, like, I don't know, six-part series about getting rid of heartburn and GERD forever in three simple steps. I will link to that. It's very, very um, detailed and and helpful. And hopefully that that helps um, helps you moving forward. Do you have anything else to add? No, that was super Stephanie. thorough, and I really appreciate it. And I would like to reiterate that uh, the you know the glutamate thing with the brain uh, is is very tentative in case by case basis. I did do a little bit of did do a little bit of reading while Noel was talking, <laughs> and <laughs> it seems as though. Um, uh, gluten sensitivity, autoimmunity, infections, uh, these kinds of things can maybe predispose you to, um, you know, the kind of issue that I was talking about. But I think, gener- again, generally speaking, the glutamine is um, well tolerated. So, yeah. Cool. Last question from Jody. Uh, best friends. I feel like I don't have many friends as I get older. I'm 40 with kids 16 and 18. My husband and my sister are probably my best friends. We have other couples we hang out with. And we have fun together, but not on a deep, close relationship level. I don't feel like I'm missing out. Just wondering if this is normal or do other happily married moms have super close girlfriends? Well, I'm not a I'm not a mom and I'm not married. Um, (laughs) I do know that uh, it is quite common for nuclear families to uh, be pretty nuclear um, I think it is, uh, I think that is quite unusual in terms of the arc of human history. I think families used to be much more um, interconnected, uh, clans, tribes, uh, mm. larger communities uh, throughout most of history and across cultures. Um, and the nuclear family is, is quite new um, and quite unique. Uh, that doesn't mean that it can't be done healthfully. Uh, but I do think uh, it is uh, important. I do think it's nice to have other adults in your life. I do think it can be good for you and your kids uh, if you, well, your children are older, but generally speaking, you know, you can sort of uh, develop relationships with other parents and you know, share your child rearing duties in some regard or what have you. Like there are, there are so many different options, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much you can do. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty normal. I also like, and it's fine. And if you're happy, if you're, you know, you feel good about it, great. You can always change that. You can uh, meet other people your age, you know, you can meet other people at so many different kinds of activities at churches, at community centers, hobbies that you do, um, all this stuff, all this stuff. Um, there are places where you can meet people who will be interested in friendship, open to friendship, uh, meetups, uh, when that sort of thing happens again, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of options. And so, uh, if you're content, great. If you're not, you you can find your people. You can find uh, people who are just your friends, you know, just your girlfriends, or you can find couple friends, <laughs> you know, to share with um, with your significant others. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But I definitely think, um, yeah, relationships are healthy. Friendships are fun and cool and great. And um, I don't think your life would be worse from Mm-mm. adding them. Right. Um, you know, and so why not? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think um, I think we just live in a day and age where you have to make more effort and you need to be, if you're not in church, go to church. If you're not involved in community activities, there are there's a lot of skill that you have as a person, as an individual, and 
you can use that to bring help others, to bring benefit to other people, to give back to your community, to get involved um, with causes that you're passionate about. Like get involved. And as you're getting involved and making, you know, taking the putting forth the effort to get involved, you will naturally find other people who are um, like minded, who have similar values. And when stuff hits the fan, you you'll have somebody to call, you know, you'll have a support system, you'll have you'll have a community, we were meant to be part of a community, we weren't meant to to just, you know, take life alone with, you know, one or two other people. And unfortunately, I think one of the, the side effects of a lot, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, of things I think that we're going to deal with for years to come from what, you know, this year has been. I think one of the unfortunate things is a lot of people have lost their community. They've lost their social support system. And as much as we try to say, oh, let's hang out on Zoom or whatever, it's not, it's just not, it's not good for building a relationship, for maintaining a relationship. Um, and so we are going to have to make more effort as individuals to connect with others, to re-engage with others, to, you know, build up those relationships, start new relationships, get involved with the community again, get involved with causes, go back to church you were meant for community. You were meant to be around other people. And as as much as it's not enjoyable and or uncomfortable in the beginning, the reward is very, um, it's so like rewarding and it's definitely worth it. So, uh, you know, I've had to be intentional, especially as a mom in this phase of life. I've had to be intentional and be a better communicator and be- and communicate better with both, you know, some of my childhood friends, one in particular that I've, I've, you know, a friend that I've had since I was three. Um, you know, I try to, to intentionally, even though I don't quote unquote have the time, I make the time to reach out to her. Um, uh, and it, it's like, if I were to just do it when it felt right or do it when I had the time, I would never have the time. So it's just, it's just making, um, making a concerted effort and which again is not always easy. It takes work. It takes getting up and getting out there. But, um, I, we weren't designed to be alone. We were designed for community. So I think you just, you got to try to, get involved when you feel ready. And I think everybody's in this position right now because we've all been inside and alone and doing um, kind of in our own world and and just trying to survive. And so unfortunately, it's just one of those things that has been put to the side. And so I think I think as a as individuals, we're going to really moving forward from here, we're, we're going to really need to prioritize that and become creative (laughs) so um get creative with how how we meet people and stay involved so yeah yeah anything else from you nope okie dokie okay okay for more from me you can go to coconutsandkettleballs.com i am coconuts and kettleballs on instagram stephanie is stephanie.ruper on instagram is there a dot there why do i always forget this there's a dot there's a dot at stephanie.ruper S-T-E-F, not T-H. Um, yep, follow us there. We're always there. We're always hanging out. Uh, thanks, guys. We love hanging out with you, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.